As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself the Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. I want to first and foremost thank everyone who uh, has been giving us five stars in review on, on all of the, uh, you know, uh, applicable podcast platforms uh and i also want to thank people who uh, heeded my warning or my advice about like moving over to pod yourself a gun uh feed because uh so far that's going really good uh sorry to have started a pod yourself the wire feed that was an accident Man, if only someone had suggested just keeping Shut them the on fuck the fuck <laughs> Shut the fuck, all right? I just thought I thought it'd be better for SEO to have a separate feed, and now I realize it's better to just have one big Turns beautiful out, feed. Turns out, SEO. No. Wow, mm -hmm. very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Landed uh, You did. Count it. You did great. So, uh, and also, there are still a few of you who haven't switched over. So, sw remember, subscribe to Pod Yourself a Gun to get all future episodes of Pod Yourself the Wire. Simple, makes sense. Yeah. This is gonna go great. We got it. Everybody's got okay. it. Okay, five stars in review on the platform. Today, <laughs> we are uh, gonna be talking about from season two of The Wire, episode seven, Backwash. Mm. And uh, our guest today is, uh, he is a returning champion. You heard him on uh, Pod Yourself a Gun, The Sopranos podcast. And he also, he now has a new podcast called Shoot the messenger ladies and gentlemen our guest today is nando villa well i consider myself a uh, humble motherfucker with a big ass dick so it was very absolutely very fitting to be on this specific episode of uh the pod yourself the wire uh the yeah wire podcast you yeah. are You're i'm just a humble motherfucker with a big ass dick Absolutely. You are the bunk of this year podcast. Uh, we're happy to have you here and we are going to uh, make fun of your weight. Just kidding. <laughs> you have a I'm very self-conscious about that. Yeah, it's so is bunk. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, no, you have a great you have a great body. Let's start there. <laughs> Can we start with saying how handsome Nando is? Mm -hmm. Keeps it tight, and I like that. Keeps it tight. I like it. I like your setup. I see you've got you've got like a, a bookcase in the background yeah. with various books. Yeah. Um, so you're a heavy reader. I know yeah. that. Well, you know, book buyer at least. You know, Who's well, got the time I mean, these yeah. Days? Yeah. yeah, you you buy the I do the same thing. I buy the books and then I listen to them 
and then I pretend oh. like I read them with my eyes. Mm. That's good. I mean, I, I'm listening to Pod Yourself the gun uh, feed about the wire uh, all the uh-huh. time. So I don't, I don't have time for audiobooks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, you know what? Shout out to you for listening to the correct feed. Pod <laughs> yourself a gun, the wire part. <laughs> Is it confusing? Yeah, probably. Anyways, uh, Nando, are you a fan of the wire? I am a fan of the wire. Big fan of the wire. Sick. Love the wire. Hell yeah. Phew. So, yeah. Uh, so that's good. That's why I'm on the fucking podcast. (laughs) If I was like, I fucking hate that show. (laughs) You're like, what's that? Uh, No, so um, you, uh, season two is a very like uh, controversial season. Divisive. Divisive, yeah. Some people love it, some people hate it. Polarizing. Much like America. Yeah. Exactly. It's a land of contrasts out there in the Mm -hmm. season two uh, discourso sphere. I don't know. There is no red America. There is no season two America. (laughs) There's only the United States. You guys remember Obama? I do. Uh How could I forget? Yeah. Yeah. He was cool. Um, (laughs) So, uh, what were your thoughts of season two of The Wire? Well, I, I, I was. Rewatching The Wire now, uh, it's been a while. It's been yeah. It's been at least ten or fifteen years. I don't know since nice. I watched The Wire. I, I the first time I watched The Wire was when I was living in China, and this was two thousand eight nine, and this was yeah. still the era of DVDs. Like streaming yeah. was not a thing yet. You know, people forget <laughs> that there was a pre-streaming era. Yeah. And in China, China was like the oh my god, it was like glory for DVDs because they had mm. these physical stores, brick and mortar stores that sold bootleg DVDs. Oh, that you know, rules. For, <laughs> for, like, for like $2 for the box set of The Wire type of thing. <laughs> you know? I and love that. So I bought The Wire box set at my local neighborhood. Were they uh, good bootlegs or was it like they someone were usually had to pretty sit good. in the... In the in the living room recording no, the no, wire no, no, no. With this the is like uh this is like ripped from uh an actual uh dvd oh, of wow. the wire yeah. that they purchased and then they would then they would put it on a good dvd it was it was excellent you know and uh and it was actually really funny cuz i was remembering now that i lived near the street that had a, a couple of these stores um the one that i used to go to was called movie world and it was I'm telling you, it was like a blockbuster video um, yeah. <clears throat> with all the bells and whistles, a checkout counter, like everything. A guy working you, there. Yeah. Uh, a teenager practicing his knife moves. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but then uh, as I was living there, across the street, um, another DVD store opened called Even Better Than Movie World. Wow. Um, <laughs> I love that. Uh, China is a great place if you guys ever been. If you have a sense of humor, China is the best. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I bought the box out of the wire and just plowed through it while I was in China. I did not watch it as it was airing on HBO. I think famously, like very few people did. Yeah, yeah no one um, either. Yeah. Um, and then as and then I and then I watched it again. Right, I watched most of it again. I don't know if I got through the whole show, mm-hmm. uh, but I did watch it. You know, rewatching season two, this episode now. I mean, I was shocked at how much I remembered, and that was a long time ago. And I don't remember, you know, anything from The Bear, which I saw last year and I liked a lot. You know? Right. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. So yeah, man, it was it was great to revisit. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like. Um... Uh, well, first of all, you, you you lived in China. Do you uh, do you speak Mandarin? I I did when I was there. I spoke. I was pretty conversational. Uh, I studied in college. What a pungyo! <laughs> exactly. Do you, uh, that's, yeah. uh, you, 
you are my friend. But I for- yeah, it, it is. That is. And then uh, Nuda Pungyo is girlfriend. So, uh, mm. but uh, yeah, I, uh, Matt, I forgot Nuda most Pungyo. of it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to say my wife in Borat in Chinese. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so you were living yeah. in China and you were watching The Wire and you yeah. were like, you know, uh, you know, when you got to season two, initially, did you have the reaction that I think a lot of people did, which is like uh, this, uh, like, who, who are these guys and why are we why are well, we here at the docks? I remember thinking, like, what the f- why do they uh, relegate McNulty? I like McNulty. You yeah. Know? Uh, you know, in retrospect, it's like one of the boldest kind of creative decisions in the history of television or Absolutely. whatever. But like I had clearly like identified, oh, this is like our, this is our guy. You yeah. know, McNulty yeah. is our guy. And now he's like not in the show, yeah. <laughs> but he's like in the show. Like they didn't kill him off. They're just like, you know, have him riding around boats every once in a while and doing bullshit. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was like, why did they do that to poor McNulty? It just felt really jarring at first. But uh, I think over time, and it's probably on my second uh, on my second watch of season two, I appreciated it more. And, you know, this is going to sound like a fucking, you know, obnoxious Bernie bro take, but like it really is just kind of you just don't see depictions of organized labor in 100 percent modern American culture. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, if you grew up in the 50s and 60s or or 70s, like all this stuff would be kind of just obvious to anyone. But by the early 2000s, which like, you know, by then you know, like 10% of the American workforce is unionized or whatever. Um, right. Like the shit seems alien and foreign to, to, to the vast majority of people and felt and felt kind of radical in a way. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It definitely was like uh, the first time that I had ever seen a show tackle not just like usually the way the media does uh, unions is um, in a kind of, Jimmy Hoffa esque type way, I guess, yeah. and and not this isn't that yeah. far off from that, I guess, but <laughs> yeah. but but in a way that is actually um, sympathetic to them rather than looking at them as like, yeah. oh yeah, unions are that thing when the mafia controls the workers, and it's like, yeah. nah, no, it's it's empathetic in the sense that it's like I don't know if it's sympathetic or whatever, but it's definitely like it shows why one you know, would why a union would kind of turn towards that, you know? Right. Yeah, because yeah. you can drink in the morning and uh, yeah. you yeah. and your guys, they'll, they'll clock you out when uh, when they want to mm-hmm. clock you out and uh, and you can do graft to make a little extra lobbying money. Yeah, yeah. and also uh, on a more serious note, um, it is uh, kind of, it shows that like a group of uh, workers who have a union um, actually have at least some sort of foothold in the levers of power in yeah. a local community rather than now, which is like if you're a worker is in, you know, most people are non-union. Um, you're, you can be discarded. You have no yeah. power. The power, yeah. the app it has all the no, power. No, you have to do, you yeah. have to start a podcast just to yes. exactly. claw it's, back it's any semblance of independence. <laughs> exactly. It's true. Yeah. It's sad, but true. Listen, yeah. I, I am, I am from the ethnic white, uh, demographic, uh, yes. from, you know, like generations of look at you union people. But, uh, <laughs> we, we chuck that out when we sent our kids to, College, we put them, you know, we we tried to. Uh, I guess I'm more like the uh, the the lobbyist guy yeah. who's, who's who's also Italian. Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah who's right. also Italian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, finally we have Polish guy. You know, fuck that. Yeah, well, yeah. These, no, we, these Polish. You know, they want to stay yeah. in the union. They don't want to 
They don't want to try and uh, grift their Princeton. kids into an Ivy League school. Stupid. Yeah. So yeah, they, that, that, that guy definitely started a podcast. That kid's son, the Princeton oh, yeah. guy. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Why is he going to Princeton to do whatever he wants? He just starts a podcast. Hey, what's up? This is the uh, uh, Get Money Quick NFT Crypto Podcast. Are you ready to ape in? Well, Jason DiBiago is. <laughs> that is such like that is such a perfect encapsulation of the uh, completely crumbling world worldview that my generation was like inculcated with. Like, oh yeah, yeah. just yeah. go to like a college and do good, and you can do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can fucking suck some corporate dick is what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is uh, one of the great scenes. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. This is not a podcast about Jason DiBiago starting a podcast. No, this <laughs> Could be. is a The Wire podcast. And we, of course, cannot start the pod without first playing the theme song. Mm. When you pod. the garden, you got a pod. Well, I beg your pod. Walk the Podcast. You pod. Jesus is gonna save the docks. You gotta keep it Polish. Pod. Down in the hole. Season two. All <laughs> right, everyone. Once again, this is uh, today. We're going to be talking about from season two of The Wire, episode seven, Backwash. Uh, this episode came out July thirteenth, two thousand and three. Uh, Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? I sure can. Nikki gets accustomed to his role as Kingpin. Ziggy gets accustomed to his role as Fredo. Yep, and there's a lot more that happened, but it's really hard to do a synopsis for this show because there's a thousand storylines. You could just, <laughs> you know, use the real synopsis. But it, no, have you read the real synopses? They are very long. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. They're too long. Yeah. Like, just, you know, so. All right, Vince, what was happening at the time that this episode yeah, came out? Yeah, that's right, Matt. Uh, you know, if we're going to talk about a cultural product, we can't talk about it divorce of its cultural context uh we mm -hmm. gotta put some of that context back in um and we're gonna do it using a little something we like to call the back in the day machine this is vince mancini oh, and i have a confession to make oh sorry <laughs> that, that was my deep fake vince hold on <laughs> i like big honking wieners inside all my holes Stuffed me like a Thanksgiving turkey and baste me with that sweet matt lieb cum all right uh Sorry, wrong sting. My oh, bad, dude. Weird. All you right. get those mixed up. Okay, now here's the You blew the it. It tastes so yummy. Okay. And is my favorite bedtime snack. I'm Vince Mancini, right, okay. and I am gay. Here it is. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day. Machine tells the tale, son. That's right. We go. uh, we're going all the way back to July 13th, 2003. What a day. What a mm. year. Uh, some of the headlines going on at the time. Uh, Iraq Al-Qaeda ties overstated, ex-officials say. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> U.S. What troops they thinking? <laughs> searching Iraq, unable to find so. connection. Weird. Shocker. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't think that's true. Yeah. Um, in lighter news. Uh, Iraq is Al-Qaeda. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Uh, in lighter news, uh, this was a, a favorite headline of mine. Um, top Italian courts slaps Roman hands. Uh, Roman as in, you know, like ro- Roman around. Like, oh, yeah, 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 d- yeah, yeah. double entendre. Uh-huh. Uh, it is the most ancient of Roman traditions, rimorchiare, a kind of aggressive flirtation, and the male whistles and gropes that all too often go along with this battle of the sexes. <laughs> ancient Roman tradition. <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. You know, I love it. A, a culture's I mean, listen, tradition Vince, is uh, Vince, when I know you you're... squeeze, squeeze the button, you go... They were like fucking walking across the forum. It was like, mama. And here we have an ancient painting of uh, the gladiators going, mommy. Let me just read this sentence again because it's a really good sentence. And the male whistles and gropes that all too often go along with this battle of the sexes are as Mm. integral to the Italian experience as gelati. (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, oh my so, God, that's true. Uh, the early aughts were fucking wild. Like two, <laughs> September 11th through like 2004, it was like people don't realize just how fucking insane yeah, that era was. We were was. like, we saw people fall off the towers. We have no time for political correctness at all. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> we're all traumatized, so we gotta just talk about how it's yeah. part of the Italian culture to do a sexual <laughs> assault. <laughs> or yeah. they were. Now it seems they're about to go the way of throwing Christians to the lions after the Casazione, the country's highest court, ruled last week. Wait, are the Christians the guys doing the groping no, no they're saying that was an obsolete cultural practice, just like a grabbing the bottom is about to oh, become. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. The court ruled Wait, last what, what week. Newspaper is this, what newspaper is this in? <laughs> this is the Daily Telegraph, like the, obviously. The New York Times? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is Time Magazine. Ruled last week that a pat on the bottom counts as sexual violence, an imprisonable offense. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, let me, I mean, yeah. Sorry, it's, it's like continued uh, on the back page. I gotta gotta continue that story, uh, please, because <laughs> I know you want to hear the rest of this. Yes, of course. Yeah. So this is a British paper, which exp- helps explain some of the, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, it has not always been so. Two years ago, the same court scandalized feminists by overturning the eighteenth month eighteen month sentence of a healthcare worker from the Venice area, who groped a colleague's buttocks, then threatened to block her career if she reported him. Bottom pinching, the Casazione declared, was acceptable as long as it was a single or isolated action. Hey, Giuseppe, want to grab the bottom you get one, one time? <laughs> you get one. You get one freebie. Hey, bo- <laughs> it, it's so bellissimo, I had to touch. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot even flirt with somebody at work no more. <laughs> Last I week. don't know how to talk to a woman. <laughs> Last week, however, the court was considerably more severe in judging a 58-year-old man described by police as a serial bottom pincher who tried his luck on a woman in her 20s while she was selling ice cream in her parents' bar in Rieti, 100 kilometers east of Rome. The defendant was found guilty of an effective and concrete intrusion into the sexual sphere of the victim and awarded a 14-month suspended sentence. Holy shit. 
I mean, Italy's wild, wild, man. Wild, wild. There's, <laughs> here's a little more about the actual culture. The same rules the panel of judges announced would be applied to the mano morta, the old custom much favored by taxi drivers of sticking a hand through a car window and resting it on a passing female bottom. What, what the mano, the dead hand. It's just like it's just like a scary movie. Like, yeah. Take my strong hand. What the fuck? This and I'm, I'm sorry. Like they're acting like it's an ancient custom to have cabs. <laughs> no, to stick for the cab drivers to stick their hands out of the cab for, windows. Right, but how long have they had cabs? How long have cars? Did, uh, I did they use cabs least on donkey? <laughs> yeah, this is an ancient custom. My grandfather grabbed the butt. My great grandfather grabbed the butt. <laughs> uh, first, first person quoted Alessandra Mussolini, the granddaughter of the dictator and an MP for the yeah. right wing National Alliance, agrees wholeheartedly oh with the decision. Oh no! Wow, <laughs> this, oh, she's a she's a lib cock. Yeah, yeah this she's rule- a, like a secret yeah. lib, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this ruling is completely correct. Pinching the bottom is sexual harassment always if the lady doesn't want it. Even wow. if she, even if she is wearing a little skirt. Mussolini's granddaughter is woke. Uh, <laughs> Italy's wild. Have you guys there's like this uh, there's like this Twitter account that just posts random pictures of Italian uh, female politicians that like it's like, you know, <laughs> the state treasurer in, you know, uh, Emilia Campagna and it's like just some woman like, yeah. she just, like just looks like a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> it it kind like, of it makes sense now why she added that even if they're wearing the short skirt. I yeah. love that. It's just yeah. like no, I understand the short skirt look like it's please grab my cool, but it is not the mean of that. That's very nice. That, yeah. It's cool to know that she's so woke, you know? Yeah. Um, this one, uh, this is my own headline, but it was, yeah. President Bush congratulates elephants for fucking. Uh, Ooh, this is, okay. This is another one from crazy ass Linda Stasi from the New York Post. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is about is she a favorite of the pod or something like you guys just yeah check in? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. is because okay. because it's She's weird like, like w- I start looking through post headlines from the early aughts and there's always one that is just like what the fuck is this person even talking about and it's always yeah. Linda Stasi just like stream of consciousness completely unhinged yeah. proto blogging style of writing where you're like you got paid to do this yeah this is crazy uh so this is in uh, this is in it's regarding President Bush's trip to Africa. Mm. Uh, possibly moved by the visit of the biggest Republican ever in their backyard, uh, elephants prove that not everything is bigger in Texas by having elephant sex right in front of the president, First Lady Laura, and daughter Barbara. After the impromptu sex show ended, the president inexplicably hopped out of the truck and began stroking the elephant's trunks to the alarm of Secret Servants agents. And the shock of his wife, who was still was recovering the trunk, from the say. elephant sex show. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't stroking something else. <laughs> yeah. His wife, oh dear, he's drinking again. <laughs> you two look That's, great. You, look, you two look great out there. It's kind of crazy because it's like, this is a, an, a, a, like a, it's a weird article because it's like, weird that he has time on his hands now of all the times for president bush to not be super busy like too yeah. busy no cheney too. was like hey we got wars to do go out and watch the elephants yeah. fuck would you yeah yeah it's like <laughs> hey uh, uh can i pet the elephants again <laughs> I love that. Uh, oh, cheney's just running the war oh um, what a time to be alive man yeah i was 
I was around then. I, I, know. I, yeah. I remember. We're all being... the same age, right? Like more or less. Like yeah. the, we remember that era. It's wild. Like, it was, the, the kids yeah. these days like don't understand. It was dark. People was. don't like. We knew at the time yeah, that it was dark. Like no yeah, one was like, under any illusions. Like America was like f- like fully fascist, you know, yes. for like to like just straight up, you know, the media was like all in lockstep, and it was just yeah. there was no, there was no dissent at all, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, not to like, but like the Trump era, like doesn't even it pales in comparison no, to it's to not that close. Era. I mean, that's the the next article will illustrate this point. Like, this mm-hmm. was the Iraq invasion had happened we had failed to find the connection which was like the entire reason that the stated yeah. all like every stated reason for invading had basically proven false by this point uh and right. then and this article is the president's overall approval rating dropped to 55 percent from 61 <laughs> percent right. in the yeah. poll earlier in the year like yeah we were 55%? all on board what the fuck yeah yeah, yeah. dude and it's like, yeah ugh. we were all on board with that shit like every it was just like yep let's fucking go baby yeah uh yeah, yeah. it was like yeah we we lived in like this traumatized country and it was re- it's funny because you know you see now that like you know people talk about uh how polarized everything is and it's like you know and gridlock and the fucking you know senate and house and all that stuff and it's like yeah but you know what's way scarier than that uh is when everyone is marching <laughs> in the lockstep. same batshit yeah. things yeah yes. yeah just yeah <laughs> and to and to even mention like hey maybe um Maybe that's not true. Is like everyone's like, wow, so I fucking didn't know a goddamn terrorist was here. Right. Like you, you couldn't say shit. This um, is a year before the 2004 presidential campaign, which people forget was Kerry versus Bush, and yeah. Kerry was running on a platform of he would have sent even more troops to war yeah. than Bush, and then Bush was just like a fucking pussy for not <laughs> for not sending the fucking more troops. Yep. You know, uh, yeah. He ran uh, on a platform of uh, I go kite surfing sometimes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's great crazy. time. So yeah. yeah, so that's what was happening. That is what was happening. At the time that this episode came out, that is the context. That's where America is at. Um, That's probably why no one watched this fucking show. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> there's too much critique going yeah, on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I I don't have a song this week. Uh, it, Vince or Nando, you can answer this question. Um, if there was a, a... While you're watching this episode, is there like... A, what song would you have me parody to do this fucking episode bro oh do, do any song like what does this uh, bring out in you you know you watch the episode and you're like ah oh, this feels like a- oh i i got it so the the, what, the scene where nikki sabatka is in the bedroom with his girlfriend or wife yeah. whatever she is uh she has not one but two disturbed posters on the wall <laughs> If you look closely, <laughs> yes. um, so and guided I by feel voices like, for some reason, yeah, guided, yes. which makes no fucking sense. But yeah, yeah, two disturbed posters. So I think like a yeah, no, uh, you know you what know, I think, down with the sickness or something. Yeah, yeah. I think you might be right. No, yeah. what's the Blink One Eighty Two song about uh, about suicide? Adam's song. <laughs> yeah, there you go. When did yeah. that come? That probably came out around the that's same time. That's like in time, the 90s, right? though, wasn't it? Yeah, that's 90. That's like, or 2000. 1999. But still, yeah. it came out th- like three years before this episode. Uh, which has like you know a guy committing suicide. A, is there a, I think it'd be funny. Is there a suicide? 
Oh, D? Yeah. Well, he was killed. Yeah, that's not a suicide, bro. No, exactly. yeah. that's true, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, but they think it's a suicide. Everybody's, I like, everybody's sort of grappling. I mean, the song is about people like grappling with the suicide. So for absolutely. all intents and purposes, everybody right. but Stringer right. is like treating this like it's a suicide. Right. Nando right. was Ver- right. It is pipe. definitely disturbed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I will, uh, oh yeah, I'll figure that out at the, you know, at some point. At the end of the episode, you'll hear what I uh, did. So... We'll see if that's good. All right. So, talking about this episode, Backwash. Um, there's a few different uh, storylines going on. We have some continued movement with the detail where they're finally kind of like setting a trap for mm. the dock workers. Playing a cat um, and mouse game. Playing a cat and mouse game with the dock workers. That was actually workers. pretty exciting how they did that, that whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing. It was. Uh, and then we have, of course, uh, the kind of blowback or the aftermath of what happens after uh, Dee's murder, which was made to look like a suicide. And Stringer is now the big boss man. He really is uh, all alone out there. Um, and uh, we see what he does with that power. We have Nikki and Ziggy, who are um, kind of now cemented into their positions of like Nikki is going to be the drug kingpin while Ziggy is going to be the he he's he's real Fredo of this episode I think he he is uh decided that he's a big goof dumbass and that he doesn't uh he he's just not smart enough to do the things that he wants to do uh and then we have Frank Sabatka who is um Really, uh, sentimental old Pollock is what he is. He's a sentimental old Pollock, and he's trying to hold on to what he has. And yeah. he's uh, living in a brave new world where there are robots yeah. who are taking his jobs. He's thinking that with enough, if he just talks to the right people, the past will return again. Absolutely, he's trying to make America great again. And uh, let's see if he does. Uh, so, yeah, general thoughts on this episode, Vince. Um, well, yeah, pretty solid. Like I. I feel like that um, intro with with Nikki, uh, the the Nikki oh, storyline. F- what's that? Oh, with Nikki. With, with Nikki, Nikki. I'm sorry. N- the Nikki storyline feels a little like a Taylor Sheridan uh, plot line, where it's like somebody <laughs> goes up to the white guy who thinks he's black and tells him why he's wrong, and uh, it all works I out fine. That. I don't know how to tell you this without hurting you deeply. First of all, you happen to be white. I'm talking raised on Rapola Street white. Well, your mama used to drag you down to St. Casimir's just like all the other little piss pants on the block. Second, I'm also white. Not hang on the corner, don't give a fuck white. But Locust Point, IBS, Local 47 white. I don't work without no fucking contract. And I don't stand around listening to horseshit excuses like my cousin Ziggy, who, by the way, is still owed money by you and all your down streetwise wiggers. Like that's exactly like a a Taylor Sheridan show, like some fucking some uh some some classically masculine uh, white guy would would come into town, ta- would breeze into town and tell everybody why uh the way Pretending they do things to be black is stupid. Is, and they're I love that scene because I was thinking the whole time like how weird a Zoomer might find that scene. Like this <laughs> yeah. is not a thing anymore. Right. You know, this yeah. was like a very much a live issue in the nineties. I mean, I'm yes. sure we all knew that guy uh, oh, yeah. growing up. Uh, and it was like a very, it was a flashpoint and it was like a whole thing. And, uh, and now that just seems so quaint and, 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 you know, like yeah. no, it's like not a thing anymore. You know what I mean? And they like, they'd be like, totally this guys. Yeah. It's a weird, it's weird because uh, you know, I, I'd never thought about it that way before, but you're right. Like now, 
that level of, I guess, kind of like appropriation, I guess, of like, uh, you know, being a, a, a white kind of like hype boy, a white mic, if you will. Um, like, that's just like every influencer on TikTok is like. Yeah, a- I think a huge part of it and is that. Um, I think with with streaming music, um, everyone has become kind of like multi-genre right. Uh, right. in their music taste. Like almost like you have to be, you know, to be cool. Like you have to love fucking Miles Davis and Eminem and right. uh, Nirvana. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, whereas like in the 90s, you were not. That was like considered absolutely sacrilegious to not sort yourself into one firm genre of music. And that was like, mm-hmm. a huge part of your identity. True. And if for whatever reason you liked hip hop. You know, you had to only like hip hop. You couldn't like like hip hop and Nirvana, or else you were a fucking poser. Right, exactly. Um, and exactly. Then, it and had then, to be your lifestyle. The it music it, yeah, was the whole it thing. Turned, yeah, your whole kind of affect had to reflect whatever it is. Which is you, bad, but also like, like music was more important then, simply because like we absolutely. had not devalued the the act of uh, like listening to music. Like I don't even totally. I can't remember the last time like an album came out and I like oh I remember, I remember that album. I mean, it just doesn't. Yeah. You don't. It doesn't happen anymore. Whereas I like mean, it's, it still happens, but you just have to. Re- but not in the same you're way. Just, you're just. It's not, old it's not and a not cultural event. It's, it's not, not a cultural, cultural event. event. That's true. Like the people are not hang- like I spent most of my teens like hanging out at Tower Records and like buying yeah. fucking CDs and looking at CDs it's, it's, and thinking about yeah. CDs and people don't really do that anymore. It's why a more would they? rare. It's, Right. Their, they have it all at their like fingertips. When you're all trying the time. to open the CD with the little plastic thing on the top, <laughs> yeah. and it was a fucking pain in the ass. And then, like one time, one out of every ten times, you you broke the CD case or like a little yeah. piece chipped off, and you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, no. like it was, no, <laughs> that was yeah. forty dollars. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I I definitely think that like watching watching Nikki kind of like. He's like, I'm going to do this thing, this thing that I told Ziggy not to do, not to get mixed up with. And, you know, because you don't want to get shot like a project N word, as he says, <laughs> watching him like decide, OK, I will actually do this, but I'm going to do it whitely. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. it's exactly and what it is. He's like, you know, I'm going to do it as a proud white man, which you're like, mm, I don't know. I, I don't know. I love this. <laughs> version of Nikki. I mean, I, I I sympathize with him because, you know, he's um he's definitely got uh backed into a corner here. I mean, you know, he's not getting the days of work that he needs to get and he's got a a girlfriend and a kid and he lives in his mom's basement. Like like shit sucks and he's been being given this opportunity to like not just sell drugs but also he has muscle behind him with the like greek and the fucking Mm -hmm. sergey i think as always you can acknowledge the problems of the white working class without uh without without justifying his solutions to them oh completely yes yes no i mean and uh, uh, to be absolutely clear i'm not even against him being a guy who sells drugs i just think the way in which he's kind of carrying himself um, yeah, he's, he's, he's better than he's like, oh, he's so quickly turned from like, you know, no, we're, you know, uh, the, we're, we're doc boys and we we're stevedores and that's what we do. And, you know, um, and Ziggy don't get into that shit. It's, you know, it's bad and not worth it. He so quickly turned from that to like, uh, a guy who's like, oh, I'm going to buy like a big car and <laughs> I'm going to go around to this. Like, I mean, frog, the guy he's yelling at. I feel bad for because first of all, 
clearly he's got some sort of fetal alcohol syndrome going on. <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's not not a, the normalist of guys. Uh, and second of all, like uh, I said this before, but like sometimes with guys like that, like Nikki's talking shit, but like that sometimes that's just how they grow up and that's just how they talk. You know what I mean? And and I, I you know, him being like, you know, stop stop doing this, you know, gangster, you know, black wannabe stuff. It's almost, uh, I don't know. It's a little bit, uh, I mean, it, f- it feels real to the time to me. Oh, sure. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent feels real. It feels and- real to the time, but it's weird. The show, the way the show, it makes it feel like we're supposed to identify with Nikki. Just like telling, telling right. this, uh, this, this, this guy, what's what, uh, like yeah. laying down the, w- some wisdom. Like it feels like we're supposed to be on his side and you're kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. Meanwhile, so Ziggy, he gives uh, Ziggy a bunch of money, a bunch of money that he like, d- like Ziggy did not earn this money. <laughs> no, <laughs> he keeps actually... giving Nikki like completely, un- or sorry, keeps giving Ziggy completely unearned kickbacks. Yeah, he's giving him half, which is like something he's doing, you know, I think partially because uh, he, you know, he he's he is doing his family and he's doing it out of the goodness of his heart kind of. Um, but also, I guess, I mean, this, this made he's flexing. Yeah. I mean, I guess it made sense that he's giving him his fucked up package money. Like that made more sense oh, yeah. than him, than him give it, getting blue book value on his stupid car in the last yeah. episode. Um, and, and Ziggy like has this great moment, which is like, he almost is like word for word doing a Fredo thing where he's just like, you know, um, I'm smart, you know, and I deserve respect, but it's like, he's doing it in a way where he's like, I'm not smart and I don't deserve respect, <laughs> I guess. And uh, I have a clip. What frog say? Here's a couple of hundred extra to make a little fucking goof happy. <laughs> goof? Goof? This is for my thing, Nick. Fuck if you ain't handle that business better too. See, we're making money. <laughs> it's your move, Nicky. I got other issues right now. Still a cat, though. Oh, Jesus, Nick. You knocked up Prissy Catlow? I only fucked her once. Christ, everybody down the point fucked her the once, Zig. This this whole storyline where Nikki is just, or sorry, where Ziggy is just sitting at a bar drinking his pain away because he got. <laughs> Smoking cigarettes inside? I love it. Oh, yeah. Man, I miss those days. <laughs> He's being real emo about the fact that he. Knocked up the uh, the local whoer, I suppose. <laughs> the village bicycle, <laughs> the village bicycle, Prissy Catlow, um, and it y- you find out later that it's all a ruse uh, for Maui and the other Doc boys to just uh, make fun of him, I guess. Uh, which is kind of yeah, um, it's payback for why is your dick in my computer? And he has like a really big dick, right? I remember this. Huge, like, huge yeah, dick. Huge. Yeah, giant yeah. Polish dick. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kielbasa. Yeah, yeah. he's got a, a real kielbasa sausage. Uh, and then Nikki kind of like puts puts the pieces together and is like, wait, you can't just get, you, no, you can't get mailed uh, papers to be served. Someone has to give them to you. It's like a court official. And he calls, he calls up the, the law firm, and Maui picks up, and he says, "Shyster, shyster, shyster." <laughs> no doubt, never meant to be. No doubt, boy, poverty. Which um, I I thought was how great. Did you, I, did you, how did you take that? 
Okay, so this is this is what I was thinking. When I watched it, I was like, oh, that's very funny. And then I was like, is that anti-Semitic? And I had to like look into the history of the word shyster. <laughs> and shyster is not, I think, initially wasn't an anti-Semitic. It doesn't have an anti-Semitic origin. It, it was like, uh, it's not like a Yiddish for like bad Jew or something. It's based off of the word shiza. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, shit, right, in, in German. And uh, I think it just means, like, a, a shitty criminal type thing. Mm. Uh, uh, so a shyster is someone who's, like, d like deals in shit. A dung someone beetle. Who, a dung beetle, sure. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say that I think at this point, shyster feels like a slur so it's probably a little bit of a i think yeah. it was intended as one in yeah. the context I think, so, of, I think it was too but i feel, like, I, feel yeah. like I associate yeah. it more with lawyer than jew of course but yeah but it was but, a little yeah 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 but it's like an anti-semitic it's it, it is let's, it's let's, there it's yeah. there I, yeah I, there's no there's no way in which maui is not a little bit picturing three like rabbi lawyers or just are, levy levy and levy right exactly uh so uh yeah but anyways i thought that was a, a fantastic scene mostly because the entire time in the rewatch i was like oh yeah they are just playing love child uh on repeat <laughs> over and over and you're just like making themselves miserable uh for that <laughs> shitty <laughs> joke it's like, yeah, they're really sitting around going, this better be fucking worth it, dude. It's like that joke in, uh, what was the Will Ferrell cop movie, The Other Guys or something like that? Where, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, he learns to. Yeah, he learns he, to, like Mark Wahlberg learns to tap dance to make fun of the kid who likes to tap dance or whatever. Yeah, he learns to do it ironically yeah. or sarcastically. <laughs> but he gets really good. Um, but yeah, that is uh, Nikki and Ziggy. Uh, they are. Two guys, you know, they're two young drug dealers on the make. Absolutely. Um, meanwhile, let's talk about uh, Father Sabatka, mm. the uh, this the senior Sabatka. Uh, this episode, we see the Union Boys uh, watching a presentation about automation, and uh, they very, you know, quickly realize that their jobs are about to be completely fucked. Um, and because uh, the goddamn globalists goddamn globalists making these globalist robots um and frank is uh you know he's not trying to give up to his secretary treasurer position uh of the in the union and he, he you know he wants to like keep it and we finally get a little bit of what's going on between uh like the budgeting and the grain pier and the there's a lot of like complicated shit when it comes to this like storyline because you're like I know Frank wants the grain pier or no, he wants the canal to get dredged. He wants both. It's sort of like uh, Frank's thing is like, you got to ask big and then, you know, the other guy, the other guy thinks you get the thing you want by asking specifically yeah. for that he's thing. A, he's like a Democrat, yes. you know, and exactly. Frank is like a Bernie bro. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. <laughs> yes. 100%. That's basically what it Pretty is. Much. Like if yeah. you can't get it, you shouldn't even ask for it. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Like Chuck, exactly. Chuck Schumerism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, the best way to negotiate is to start uh, with just asking for a little tiny bit. <laughs> yeah. And then if they're like, no, you go, okay, sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That's the, the true Democrat way. Um, but yeah, so I, I finally was like, okay, I need to kind of like look up 
uh, some of this port jargon. Um, and so this whole granary storyline is actually based on like a real um, grain pier that was uh, or grain elevator that was happening uh, at uh, Locust Point um, in the uh, in Baltimore uh, Harbor. So it was uh, Silo Point is what it's called, formerly known as the Baltimore and Ohio Locust Point Grain Terminal Elevator. Uh this is a residential complex that converted a high-rise grain elevator on the edge of the Locust Point neighborhood in Baltimore, Maryland. So there's this whole storyline that's happening is with the grain pier, if they don't get the funding to, I guess, renovate, then it's going to be taken by Andy Krawcheck, who's a, de a land developer, and they're going to make a high-rise out of it. And this is the thing that actually did happen, and it happened in fucking uh 2009 mm. uh it was converted in 2009 from a grain elevator to a condominium tower which is uh this is what uh I, let me do math six years after this show um which yeah. is for me well, they, i'm like i mean how long does it take to build though they probably I mean, yeah, had good, the designs and stuff already no sure sure but uh, I, th I look at it as, like, the ultimate proof that, like, um, art does not do anything. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, this art was, like, about an inevitable force, basically. Like, sure. I, don't think, I don't think it was and ever And it wasn't a popular question. enough show to maybe, but like, even in get the, people Even in the world to... of the show, I don't think it was really ever in question that the... Yeah, the tides of progress are not yeah. to be... The and the, and the sort of institutional kind of rot is not to be... The overturned yeah know? the longshoremen yeah. were gonna get fucked like i think the writers sure. of the show knew that everybody except the longshoremen in the show knows that frank is fighting against the tide and he knows mm -hmm. this he's a hard-headed polack yeah yeah uh, yeah he's trying to will his way of life into a continued existence and he's doing it through shoe boxes of money that he gives to a lobbyist which uh money well spent um, and, uh, I've been wondering this whole time about what exactly they mean by dredging the canal. I know what dredging a canal is making a canal, uh, bigger, but what canal are they talking about? Um, so I'm going to read to you about this particular canal. Baltimore is a semi-terminal Harbor situated at the top end of Chesapeake Bay. Therefore large cargo ships on their way up to the Eastern seaboard must turn around at Baltimore and exit the mouth of the Bay in Southern Virginia in order to resume their worldly travels. But there's a 15 mile canal between upper Chesapeake and the Delaware rivers. This canal is so narrow that Ships can't, uh, big giant container ships, which is like now the majority of these shipping containers, uh, these ships, um, can't actually get through it or they can only go one at a time. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to widen this canal in order mm -hmm. to get more ships in. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, for those of you who've been like watching the show and every time they mention dredging or they mention the grain pier, all you hear is Charlie Brown's teacher going, wah, 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 wah. That's that's what they're trying to get done. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. They're, so yeah, they're trying to Matt's mom that canal is what they're fucking shit. Trying to, just piece trying to of shit. Stre stretch it out. You're trying so to stretch it out. I know. I you, <laughs> you you piece of shit. Oh, okay. You, you think I'm just gonna let that go? They Vince? need more. They need more semen going through there. Is what they need. Vince, you <laughs> think Vince Mancini, and I have a confession to make. 
I like big honking wieners inside all my holes. You said this. Stuff me like uh-huh. a Thanksgiving uh-huh. turkey. That's you, yep. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry to interrupt all of your canal dredge uh, talk and, and, and semen in your mom's canal stuff, but we do have to take a break for ads. Oh. All right. Well, thank you, Brent. Uh, before we get Perfect to... Perfect segue to our advertisers. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, love uh, they love it, folks. Yeah. Speaking of uh, my mom's canal getting dredged, um, please take a take a short break to listen to these wonderful advertisements and buy these products. I'm sure they're good. And we will be right back. First you dredge and then you batter, you know? Shut the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, Matt Lieb here with an annoying mid-roll ad that I'm going to be playing until March 17th. Why March 17th, you ask? Well, (laughs) because I'm going to be co-headlining the Sacramento Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with my wife, Francesca Fiorentini. I would love it if you all bought your tickets to it. It's going to be really fun. Um, You helped us sell out uh, when we co-headlined the San Francisco Punchline, and now I'm asking for you to do it again. That's right. If you're in the Sacramento area or somewhere nearby... Um, come to the Sacramento Punchline Sunday, March 17th, 7 p.m. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to be there. Francesca's going to be there. Uh, someone else is going to open for us. I don't know who, but someone probably pretty funny. You're going to have a great time, and you can get your tickets right now by either clicking the link uh, that's in the show notes or going to punchlinesack.com and uh, buying your tickets. Do it. And if you can't go... Hey, maybe you have friends who are in the area and you you know, you can tell them like, "Hey, you like comedy? Come see this guy who does a podcast and his wife who also does a podcast. It'll be great." So, yes, please come Sacramento Punchline March 17th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. Come, enjoy, laugh, love. All right. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And we are back. Oh boy, I hope you enjoyed all those ads. Um, so, so we get to my, my, I think my favorite scene of uh, the episode. It's the one in which Frank has a conversation with lobbyist Bruce DiBiago, uh, and we talked about that. And uh, do you at have the a clip of, of that? this episode? I do. Okay, I do. Let's hear it. It's a long scene, and it's also it's Chris Bauer. It's like the moment where, again, you're just like, this guy is miles ahead of like pretty much every actor that is sur- that he is surrounded by in the show. Um, like most of the port people seem like kind of half actors, half like real guys. Um, and he's just like, he's a brilliant actor. And uh, he, in the scene, has one of the coldest like burns that I think I've seen on uh, on the show so far. Jason's at Princeton. Princeton. And after he graduates, he's gonna do what? Whatever he wants. Right. You know, back when we was kids, Danny Hare's father stole a couple cases of cognac off a ship. Except when he gets it home, it ain't cognac. It's tang. <laughs> TV was saying it's what the astronauts drank on their way to the moon. You drank it, well. Then you could be an astronaut too. All summer long, that shit was all the Hare kids drank. What do you think they grew up to be? Stevedores. <laughs> what the fuck you think? Something tells me Jason DiBiago will grow up and squeeze a buck the way his old man did. That is like, in terms of a burn, the most circuitous route. Yeah, I barely get... even understood that when I the first time. Yeah, I I I didn't either. Just like I knew it was like tone wise, I was like, I know he's saying something mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, what he's saying is that, you know, uh, going to an Ivy League schools, just like your tang, it's not going to make you a, a wasp. It's not, I, no, no, it's not, it's not that. It's that, uh, you know, um, everyone, uh, I grew up around, we all, we, you know, the one summer we all drank tang because we were going to be an astronaut. You know, if you mm-hmm. drink a tang, you're going to be an astronaut. But the, what are, our, our situation is such that we're all just going to become stevedores because that is what we're surrounded by. That is the job that we get out yeah. here. That That's our prospects. And he's saying uh, in the DiBiago family, um, your tradition is uh, going to be getting jobs that just squeeze a buck out of someone doesn't matter that he's going to fucking princeton to do whatever he wants the truth of it is he's probably going to be a hedge fund guy he's probably going to run a private equity firm and destroy a bunch of businesses to make a profit and that is it's a very circuitous route to get to that burn but i thought it was uh sharp as shit i really Mm, like sharp Mm. much like uh much like the uh the knife sharp the knife sharpener that Diviago's great grandfather did when he first arrived from from the motherland when he was sexually harassing all of the women <laughs> on the block in, in fucking Baltimore. He was just sharpening my knife. Yeah, I sharpen a knife. I punch it a butt. Listen, the night of the long knives would have never happened if not for that guy's great grandfather. <laughs> 
Wow. They would it um, would have been like the night of the, the clubs. N- night of the dull knives. <laughs> yeah. Um Night no, of the Sharp like, Sticks. My great grandfather was a knife sharpener. Pushed a grinding stone up Preston Street to Alice Ann, one leg shorter than the other from pumping the wheel. And since he didn't want his sons to push the goddamn thing, he made sure my grandfather finished high school and my old man went to any college that would take him. You're talking history, right? I'm talking now. Because down here it's still, who's your old man until you got kids of your own? Then it's, who's your son? But after the horror movie I seen today, robots. Pier's full of robots. My kid will be lucky if he's even punching numbers five years from now. And while it don't mean shit to me that I can't take my steak knives to Dibiago and Sons, it breaks my fucking heart that there's no future for the Sabatkas on the waterfront. He responds the way I think most um, upwardly mobile whites do, like third, fourth generation white immigrants do, which is you just talk about. Uh, ancient history yeah. in which one time you had a family member who did something <laughs> did, did poor a, people do. Yeah, he did a working class <laughs> job back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but if, if I mean, the what the what's so great about that scene too in the writing of it is that you know Frank is also like he's he, you know it's like that thing like you're you're mad at me but you're mad at yourself you know yes. uh, like he, you know he fucking fucked his 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 own kids by not yeah. preparing them or giving them a 100%. different life. Didn't he didn't um, tell them to learn to code? exactly yes. you know and it's like yeah that's shitty but like uh also kind of true like had, yeah had no you can either college, yeah yeah you can be a sentimental asshole or you can you know try and uh, you know try and read yeah, the, the room a little it's it's even if the room yeah. sucks even if reading the I room know. even if it's even if it's shitty reading you still got to do it it's the thing i think i'm the most conflicted about because on the one hand i am like uh i agree i'm like this is an inevitability i mean especially once he sees you know how many stevedore jobs are going to be lost through automation and Um, he's already like why would big ships come to baltimore it makes no sense that's why we have to fight harder and you're like i I don't know i don't know yeah seems like you know you're fighting a losing battle but uh but you fight on anyway because you're trying to preserve your way of life getting drunk with all your dudes and yeah and (laughs) and chanting no wives at the bar yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean it is a tragedy like (laughs) that's why the ending of the show is so great because it's like he sort of realizes what they're like reminiscing about is this fucking job where you just get horribly maimed every now and then. Yeah. And that's just like standard. Yeah. That's why they have such a close bond is because they've probably seen like three of their friends die from falling equipment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but at the same time, while I am like, yeah, dude, just, yeah, you should have sent Ziggy to community college. He like, he's not good at anything, but he could probably like, I don't know, man. Like he could learn. Like he likes computers. He would be he'd, a good. Uh, he's like he's he's like smooth with women, from what I remember. You know, like that's yeah. a transferable skill to corporate America. Like Absolutely. He could have been like some fucking marketing guy. I was gonna or just I was just gonna say like you know perfect I mean? marketing like, guy right there. Yeah, exactly. He just walks into a room and immediately compares the client to the Bullwinkle and or the the <laughs> yeah, right. from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, yeah. He walks in and then uh, tries to show them his dick. And they're like, you're hired. No, but I, I on the other hand, I, I'm conflicted because like Frank, um, it's a shitty situation, which like Frank is really uh, mourning the fact that this, it isn't just about like the job. It's also about like 
in a more broad perspective about the death of unions and the, yeah, the death solidarity of, yeah yeah you know, like he's gen he has genuine solidarity with his like union brothers but like the the i think one of the lessons of the wire and why the show works so well and has endured so 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 well is that if you have any sort of sentimentality in this kind of in this shitty rotten system like mm -hmm. You're gonna lose. That the yeah. people who win are the cynics who are just playing the game and yes. don't give a fuck. And like Rawls, like I was like yeah. Rawls is the cynic in this in 100%. this episode. You know what I mean? And he's up there. I don't I don't remember like what his post is, but he's like a high up guy in the in the in the rotten institution. And mm -hmm. and Daniels has like some level of like just earnest fucking dumbass trying to be a good cop, you know? Right. And it's like Rawls doesn't give a shit, and that's why yeah. he's you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and, you have to you you have to be willing to play the game. You can't be sentimental, and also like understanding where your power came from. Like Frank is still thinking that it's the '60s when like when labor could you know legitimately extract those concessions from the big companies that because they need they they were ne they were necessary at that point. Like these companies, like they didn't have anywhere to send. Uh, all of their manufacturing back then. Mm -hmm. And then now fast forward 30 years, it's like you don't have the power base that you once yeah. had. So he's thinking like he's, he's like looking at it like it's the great man theory of history where if he just like gives the right speech to the right people at the right time, like it's going to... <laughs> It's yeah. going to change like the macro tides of uh, what's happening to his entire industry. And it's like, it's not like they're going to build that fucking condo. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, trying to hold on to power, I think, is like uh, there. On the one hand, you have like in parallel the Barksdales trying to hold on to their power. Right. Because, you know, Avon's in fucking in prison and uh and Prop Joe has all the good fucking dope now. Of course, this is neither the time nor the place, but I thought I might get at you for a moment. Got a proposition here. Thing is, y'all got the best territory and no kind of product. I got the best product, but could stand a little more territory so you see where this thing need to go. Well, now, you know Avon fought real hard for them towers. I mean, we took down the Rayford brothers, big Dennis Woodson, I mean. Should have just been this strange. Buy for a dollar, sell for two. Did all it need be. I didn't quite yeah. understand what, like, Prop Joe didn't exactly spell out what he wanted. He was sort yeah. of just like, it's like a power want, he, sharing thing. Yeah, like they'll split the profits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll figure out a deal. Like, you can, we can sell your shit. You know, we can sell my shit on your territories. Right. We'll just split the fucking money. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But the the problem is that. You know, and I think this is one of the brilliant lessons of like, I think, uh, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the final, final, final scene of the show, mm -hmm. um, you know, at the end of the day, in a kind of illicit trade, you know, muscle and willingness to pull the trigger and just being like a fucking, you know, willing, like violent human being, yes. like that the smart businessmen eventually lose out they need those guys in any kind of one of those situations mm -hmm. but like when the rubber hits the road like just being willing to fucking kill someone um with no with no remorse yes. and, and just like out muscling someone still goes a long way yeah in, right. in that kind of industry <laughs> you know like the prop joes and stringer bells like they're they're businessmen but they need they're they're they fundamentally need that layer of violence uh, on top right, of that. Right, be because it, that in and of itself is the thing that holds together this 
the power. Like you, 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 you continue to hold on to power by flexing that kind of muscle. And it's not, it's not the same thing as like, you know, two competing brands of, of well, like, it's like soda. It's like, did you see that show, The Anarchists, where all the like libertarian <laughs> yes. guys moved yeah. to Mexico and they're like, well, we can live in this uh, libertarian fucking paradise where like the free market decides everything and it's like up oh, and then one of them got killed by uh drug dealers and right <laughs> yes like is it right like all the things that you imagine happening in a place where like you know the law doesn't apply and it's just the right. market yeah well there's the market yeah yeah and and i think you know i obviously drug the drug business is always kind of like the the really putting it's like a sledgehammer of a metaphor for like free market capitalism. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's like the freest type of market is one that is only enforced through, um, private violence. violence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, but yeah. So you've got both Avon and the Sabatkas. They're trying to hold on to their, their power. And, um, I think, if we get into just like a little bit of what's going on with the Barksdale situation, one of the things you were talking about was um, not understanding like the power sharing thing like that. Well, that is just like clearly is clearly like he's mm-hmm. he would be letting prop Joe get his foot in the door on the West side. And I didn't entirely know what that means. Cause Avon seems to think it's like, well, no, cause Avon, the whole thing is the territory that was gained the territory that they have, the Franklin Towers, uh, that is owned because they fought for it. Sure, they, yeah. they they like literally killed guys in order to get that yeah. territory. So that and having that territory, which is the best territory in town, because all of the fiends live there, mm. um, or it's a quick walk for them. Uh, that you know they get all this profit from it like why would as soon as they start buying from prop joe they're now yeah as as soon as they as soon as they're in business with prop joe you know that this kind of that avon has a manichaean view of these things it's like you know that you it's a it's a it's a war at all times for territory and there's no quarter and no business to be done with someone else in that's on the other side you know what I mean? And it's yes. like, this is fought through, this is territory that's fought for with blood and violence and, and that, you know, that they will, if you let them in, if you let the, the wolf into the hen house, um, yeah. they're eventually going to kill you, you know, uh, right. in some way, or eventually going to p- put you to pasture in some way. Um, and, and, and the reason they'll do that is not just because you let them in, but it, it's not, it's not just because they're there. It's because you also showed your weak by yeah, allowing exactly. them to be there. And if it's not Prop Joe himself, it's right. someone in his crew, you know, who's yes. going to see an opportunity or whatever that like and that's always the thing with with illicit trades is that like it's just the guy who's willing to be the most violent is the yes. one who ends up kind of winning and then that guy gets replaced by some other person who wants to be, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Um, and and I think like the you know, you see with both prop joe and stringer but stringer in particular you see the like community college economics class in him (laughs) is really like but what if we could just do this and make money and like have peace and do business and stuff and it's like uh, and avon is like no this is gangster shit we you can't just change the rules of the game because you you know you read a couple of yeah. Adam Smith 
cliff notes you know yeah. like so i think as much as i i agree with stringer that it's like yeah no i want it to be like it wouldn't it be sick if if it was like peaceful and there wasn't all this death and stuff and you could just partner with with your enemies someone will come someone yeah. will come and i think prop joe knows that i don't think prop joe is doing a a stringer by saying like uh Hey man, I too would rather there was uh, peace and you know. No, in he's this sensing game. an opportunity. Of, no, yeah, sure. he's like Avon's in prison, and now that D is dead, uh, you know, because like D being dead means that Stringer is probably no longer sharing power with Brianna. Yeah, so Stringer really is all alone here. Um, so yeah, Prop Joe sees it and he's like, "Hey, uh, I don't know if you know this, but." Uh, I have a catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. I got a proposition for you. And uh, I, I think the fact that that, <laughs> that Prop Joe has a catchphrase and it's in his name. And he knows that's and like, he smirks when he does it because he's like, yeah. ah, this is me. Guess what I'm about to say. You guessed it. I have a proposition for you. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so I think he smells a little bit of blood in the water and he's trying to uh, get in on that, you know, uh, get on that sweet territory that he knows Avon wouldn't give up in a million years. Um, and just real quick, there's this moment between Stringer and Avon where Stringer asks Avon about Dee's death in a way like he doesn't know what happened. Do you guys remember that, that Chris Rock bit where uh, he says like, you get robbed and then by your neighbor and then he comes over later and he says, I heard you got robbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. essentially what he's doing in this yeah. scene. He's like, how are they thinking about it inside the prison? You know, like, yeah, what are they right, saying yeah. about it? Yeah. So what, yeah. what, uh, what, what, what have you heard? Uh, yeah. oh, I have that clip. You know, don't nobody want no shit like this to happen, man. If I would have known the boy was going to be doing some shit like that, man. You know what I mean? What are the, what are the prison people saying? Yeah. That he just hung himself like that? <laughs> just man. tied a rope around a knob. Shut his ass down. Because I live next door to you, break in your house and come over the next day and go, I heard you get robbed. <laughs> it's 100%. Dude, the performance is, I mean, the Idris Elba's performance as Trigger Bell is like, I forget, again, it's been so long, but I was just like, I slipped right back in. I was like, man, he's incredible. Uh, he is. Honestly, like, just that like, little subtle hesitation there. Yeah, I still have never seen him do acting that's up to the standard. I mean, sorry. Yeah. Like, I have not, I'm, yeah. I don't remember another performance of his that is this No. Good. Yeah, I mean, I've yet to watch another show like TV show. I, I maybe if I watched Luther, I'd be like, "Oh shit, he's good in that too." Mm -hmm. But just like ever since this show, he has been kind of like a, a movie guy, and the shit that they put him in is like Beast. Not you didn't see Beast? Oh, I saw Beast. I, I love haven't seen Beast. Beast. Is it good? Oh, no, I thought it was great. It's terrible. Vince hated it. And I don't know why. I was like, no, but he's the lion in bed. He got will run from lion. Oh yeah, it's just boring. You don't <laughs> even guy, see like it's not even. You, you don't even Jaws, see what's happening. Jaws half with the time. lion. Yeah, but a boat is cooler than him being in a car. No, yeah, stuck in car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lion smart. Jaws oh. have character. Yeah, but uh, no, no, he's so good in that scene. Just the it's him, so him fucking stuttering. But what? What are you? What? You heard anything? 
anyone like say any different but not uh, too much you know it's like yes. he, it's like it's not too obvious that he's uh it's perfect uh, it's it's great yeah, yeah it's it's very good and uh stringer is really now like you see kind of um you see all of his like plans are like coming together of him like consolidating his power and you know really not just being like the right hand man to avon but really by the time avon gets out being that second in command guy like sharing power with him so yeah um let's finally um oh i'm sorry we also can we talk about one of the funniest cold opens in the history of the show? Oh man! Oh yeah, yeah. Bodie, Bodie and the and the flowers. Yeah. Something in particular? Funeral. I'm sorry. Nah, a funeral. You know. No, no. I mean, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, yeah. Well, who was it that passed? A relation? Nah, we worked together. I see. I think I'm on it. Follow me. Hell yeah! See, this is what I'm talking about. That gat and grip thing over there sells a lot. How your boy fall? <sighs> Hung himself. I guess he couldn't handle all them years, you know? It's a weak-ass nigga when you think about it. But ain't no reason to drag his name down no further, you know? I tell you what, make it look like one of them towers down on Franklin Terrace. You know, the high-rises, right? You, you want the arrangement to look like a high-rise housing project? Hell yeah. That's so fucking it's so good. dark. It's so dark and it's so... <laughs> Like I like that they have so a back perfect. room specifically for gangster funerals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, I, I know exists I in I Mexico. Know. Like in Mexico, that yeah. is for sure an industry. Uh, I didn't yeah. know that was one in Baltimore, but it makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Have you guys seen that like picture of like an embalmed like Mexican cartel gangster? He's like embalmed and he's in his yeah. car. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah, like, we're going to bury him like that. And it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I, I just yeah. also love the writing in that scene is so good. Like the the guy who plays the salesman um, yes. has like his sa- like front of the shop salesman talk, but then he's got <laughs> his back of the shop salesman talk. And he, but he still has like a way. He's like you know like how did he fall? You know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> yeah, got like yeah, his, yeah. you know like he's he's got like his whole shtick down. It's like yes. perfect. Yeah, he like it's it's a very like subtle code switch where he starts yeah. from a guy who's like condolences for your lost friend, yeah, and then just like, like for your <laughs> immediately fallen like, brother, yeah. Now it's yeah. like you know it's like a different thing, yeah. Yeah, and then he's yeah he's asking him how he fell, um, yeah. but yeah, that scene is just perfect because he ends up with like, uh, Bodhi ends up asking him for the fucking the arrangement to look like the, the like towers. a high rise. <laughs> housing project and it's such uh, a good payoff when Pooh boy is his name Pooh boy was that his uh, name poot 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 yeah at yeah. the end in the funeral he's like man it looks fucking awesome you know yeah. like the towers <laughs> yeah and he's, he's like, like not in the episode of the whole he just like pops up just to deliver that that payoff for yes for the cold and and i love it too because you look at it and i i'm certain that half of that visual joke is that like no that thing looked unrecognizable yeah like what the fuck like, was that it was just yeah. like a squares just squares <laughs> but but poot knows exactly what he was trying to do he's like man that's beautiful yeah <laughs> oh so good just it's one so of the greatest dark. it's so dark <laughs> like it's like like it's just like uh it's beautiful it's lovely. it's beautiful and jd yeah. williams uh once again crushing it as Bodhi, like mm-hmm. playing this character yeah. so perfectly um okay 
So the final thing that we got to talk about is what's going on with the detail. I think um, what's going on with Daniels in particular is like really interesting because this whole episode they spend trying to get Daniels. Um, everyone's trying to get Daniels to take these 14 dead bodies. Um, and he is refusing to do it because he's like, I'm only doing this detail so I can get out from under like Burrell's fucking uh, punishment of making me work underground in evidence control. And, uh, and Freeman ends up being the one, like you said, who gets him to actually have a little bit of shame. Slick Lester. Oh, doing the devil's work here. You got that air of wisdom on you. It's such a great line. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's yeah. The fact that like bunk, like was buttering him up and just being like, no, you can convince him. You can, you can do it. And, and he does, and he does it in a in a very well. It's uh, kind of funny because fr- Freeman you, way you see like uh, Landsman and Rawls trying to convince him, and they're just like these two like slovenly pieces of shit, just like yeah. blatantly licking their chops, like zero literally guile. eating while talking. Well, that's to him. I was gonna say like the way he's peeling that orange, and then the way he bites into that orange is so. <laughs> disgusting and perfect yeah. like i don't know about you guys how you guys eat an orange i don't know how, like how often you eat an orange but like Sex- I, I take the slight the slice and then i put yes. the whole slice in my mouth yeah you know he no, he, he peels he, it then takes like three slices and bites half halfway into it like all the juices are like mm-hmm. oozing out it's like that's not that's weird and yeah, yeah. Gross. i don't and, know how they yeah. eat oranges in baltimore but yeah they don't have enough <laughs> I mean, experience over there yeah it's extra disgusting and it's like of course, the way Rawls would do it, especially if he's trying to uh, project power. But it's think, funny because it's bit. just like he's basically just being like, hey, you want to do this favor for me for no for no gain for yourself? Yes. And, and like that's basically his whole pitch is like, you know, it'd be nice for me if you did this thing that I want you to do. And yeah. Daniel's like, I'd be your best friend. Yeah, that's OK. Well, cool. he basically tells him like he won't forget it or something. And it's right. like he's yeah. basically implicitly offering that he's going to owe him. And you know, obviously, you can't you can't trust him. I, I thought the Rawls his, his performance was fucking great. I mean, again, sure. I just remember remembering all the performances, and they're fucking great. You know, yes, like, there's so yeah. many of them are fucking so good. Rawls is just he's got that I don't know what it, he's like a hawk eye where mm-hmm. he just he looks like a like a like a sinister bird. Yeah, who's... like a really stupid hawk. Like he really has no <laughs> other purpose than like spotting prey. Like he can't like he like that like he's got the reptile brain. Like he cannot. Could not mm-hmm. solve a crime to save his life, but no, but it's never up. been his yeah, job, and that's why he's high up. Who gives exactly? Shit, yeah, know? no, he knows that the the key to moving up is making other people solve the crime. Yeah, yeah, and not um, taking ownership of anything ever. Yeah, and and he's he's you know I I also like at the end of that scene where Daniels is like, no, your offer of do this thing for no apparent gain. Is I is reject. rejected? Yeah, summarily yeah. rejected. <laughs> and he's and like, he, he's smarter than he looks. Which uh, I was like, I don't think you have to be that smart to know that you you said you were basically like, no, this this screws you mostly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's why Lester is such a snake yes. in this episode. Like, just yeah, slyly convincing him to go completely against his own interests. Yeah. And Rawls came to me, asked if I would take the homicides. You should. Those girls in the can really suffocated, Lieutenant. They really died in that fucking box. You pick this case up, you might eat those open murders. But you let it pass. 
You gotta ask yourself how you want to live your day to day. Jesus, I mean, ladies that on thick. Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah, you know, if you don't do this, I don't know how you're going to sleep at night, dog. Like, you might as well kill yourself. Clearly not with his wife, who thought he was just like (laughs) such a fucking dumbass cuck, you know, for for taking the 14 homicides. His wife's like, I don't, this is not a turn on to me at all. And you go fuck yourself. Yeah, his wife Marla is is interesting. Is it to me is one of the more fascinating characters on the show because it's one of the more like real. Um, it's 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 hard to write a character who's like this clearly overly ambitious person who is like so political that she's essentially in this relationship, going like, um, everything that you're doing has to look good for me and my eventual run for a political office. Uh, which we will come to see later. And usually when you write a ambitious character like that, who's in kind of this transactional relationship, you like hate that person. You're like, oh, Mar- you know, that person is bad. That person is like usually an evil young blonde. Yeah. Um, a lady yeah. Macbeth. Yes, exactly. And uh, but in this show, it's uh, she's just kind of more sympathetic because you're you are looking at Daniels and going like, yeah, this is a, kind of a stupid risk to mm-hmm. take on these fourteen Jane Does because hopefully the guy who screwed you over will um, will be like, okay, we're even now. It's it's a big risk, and uh, and I there in that ending scene he has a. Uh, a line Daniels is like, I think he's describing why he loves the job. And Marla confuses it for describing why uh, he loves her. And uh, I have a, a clip of that. But if the case does come together, I would at least have Rawls as a rabbi. It could still work for me. Listen to yourself. I love the job, Marla. I can't help it. The job doesn't love you. You know what I love? The mind that's always a step ahead of me. The person who never stops thinking it through. That's what I fell in love with first. You know what I fell in love with first? Your ambition. Where'd that man go? Cold. Very cold. And and kind of I'm I'm unsure of what he's talking about when he he's says talking about her. Yeah. Right, but he's also talking about criminals. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm. The mind that's that's always one step that. ahead. The mind that's always thinking it through. Like that's the people he's trying to catch. He can't help but like he he loves being a detective. That's what I yeah. got from sure. that. Sure, yeah. But he's talking about her, right? Yeah. But uh, to me, it's very funny that he's like low key. It's like you know what I love about you, Mala? I love <laughs> that you're kind of evil in this way, <laughs> like an <laughs> evil genius. <laughs> I, I love trying to piece together what your mind is doing and the disgusting evil things that you're thinking about. <laughs> like that's kind yeah. of what he's yeah. he's yeah. saying there, but I don't think he's doing it maybe on purpose. But yeah, uh, yeah. that's yeah. what I got from it. Um, and yeah, uh, the uh, within the detail, um, we have the wonderful Herc and Carve. Oh, mm. good, great little. Abbott and Costello routine this whole episode, you know. Oh, I love it. I love it because the urban crime environment. You know? <laughs> yeah, the the urban crime. I I, I love watching um, them like the like they basically Herc and Carve 
uh, go to the like tactical sunglasses hut and are like uh, they they have to go into their own pockets to do police work, which is an insane thing to me. And then when they it's try like to teachers get... buying supplies for their students, you exactly, know? exactly. It's like <laughs> teachers are like, I need crayons, and them they're like, uh, do you guys have any good like spy equipment well, for it's black like, people? <laughs> it's like even worse because it's like they have to go into their own pockets specifically because Valchek lost the van to the guy he's having a pissing contest with, which is the reason yeah. they're in a detail. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, th- and the only reason that they want this spy equipment is because, uh, they don't like having to sit there like they don't like the job of like sitting around listening to people like with it you cannot use a surveillance device the way they're using it they're trying to use a surveillance uh device in order to like cut a corner to pretend it's a confidential informant so they can get more information it's it's uh it's them basically they hate police work they don't like well, the police yeah. work that they're doing they don't like stakeouts which i don't think most people would no, of course not. But Did also, you fire it's... up a cigar like Bunk Moreland. You know, as soon as he has to stake out, he just fires yeah. up his cigar and he leads back. But and... he he hates that shit too. The only people who yeah. like it are the weird, uh, the weird fucking dudes like Lester and Presbaluski who are like right. true, you know, borderline. Yeah. But like, speaking of which, great, great little press moment when he comes out of the strip club and <laughs> Kima's like, you know, asking a bunch of questions like this. She's like, did you grab that ass or something? Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Or you, did you play like an Italian and grab that yeah. ass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, did you, uh, did you Italian some people in there? <laughs> give, him like, that, give her that dead hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's tradition. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, yeah, true. The only people who actually enjoy this kind of work are like, the essentially autistic and uh, <laughs> like both freeman they, even, and, they call him out they call out lester for for being that they're like you don't yeah. have to look at all these you they, they'll tell us like when the thing and he's like i actually like looking yeah yeah i'll actually like to read my uh my itunes terms of service uh you can find out <laughs> some interesting things about what apple likes to what 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 permissions apple gives you for your files I'm telling you, like he is the like his character comes off so smooth that you forget that at the end of the day, he's a guy who is like, well, I really I quite enjoy making tiny doll furniture (laughs) and, and, and selling it on the Internet like he is. Not a normal guy. And like, he's been like looking at the computer. He's like, oh, no, I see the Matrix now. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and yeah, so. Well, then Herc and Carve are the the exact opposite. They're there to like bust heads and chase. And uh, yeah. so they put a, a bug in a tennis ball and uh, the only to have that tennis ball get thrown. <laughs> only to record the, the, the white guy who thinks he's black from the, from the beginning <laughs> yeah. of the episode. Yeah. Of all the, like, by the way, like they, they think it's a brilliant idea to put a microphone in a tennis ball. Like yeah. the thing that people always just pick up and play with and not. Yeah. Right. And also like as if it's like this fucking, oh, it's perfectly hidden. No one would suspect a random tennis ball in the gutter. And it's like, there's not that many sports balls yeah. in so, like hanging around. Specifically if you see tennis a ball, either. Yes, yeah. Like if you see a ball, you're gonna play with it. He's they're lucky they didn't like look in to see if there was a fucking bug. Um 
But yeah, immediately it gets thrown and run over by a truck multiple times, which I I just absolutely love. And then um, in the to you know to end it, they uh, I guess they got the plate of Nikki Sabatka. They ran the plate, didn't know it was Nikki, and they traveled to his house, and um, they realize uh, that it is someone that is part of the uh, the detail that they're working on and i have that that clip it's listed to nicholas andrew sabaka 1485 Reynolds street sabatka that's what it says here you mean anything to you yo beavis that's the name of the guy who was supposed to be working frank sabatka we got nicholas how many fucking sabakas can there be even down here in polak town <laughs> but the, the Nicholas is different guy. Yeah, well, dude, there's a, a, one of the, my favorite subgenres of comedy is like two absolute dumbass, but in which one of them is like slightly smarter than the other. Which is yeah. the Beavis and Butthead is like the classic one, which they yes. fucking referenced in this. Uh, it, it, they reference themselves, but like mm-hmm. that little subgenre, like Herc and Carver are both idiots. Uh, yes. uh, Carver is slightly, slightly just, smarter, just barely, just like one inch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. just like a, which creates just a hilarious dynamic. Always, it's yes. it's a great little. Uh, you know, you can we can mind that well forever. Yeah, totally. Uh, so you could do a whole spinoff of just those guys, like trying to figure shit. I mean, yeah, they are. Like Beavis Dumb and, and Dumber Butthead. is the same thing, you know. Yes, like yeah. Lloyd They're, is just slightly you know, more combo. industrious. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're they a fantastic combo, and they. Uh, I mean, they're lucky they remembered uh, Sabatka in at all, so they figure that out, and of course, that's going to lead them to. Uh, the to attach a, some drugs to the whole thing which um which will allow them to i think finally get a full-on wiretap uh because the show apparently is called it's the wire yeah that's the name of the show <laughs> finally we have wire and wires um so yeah that's that's the episode. Um, is there anything that I missed, uh, or is there a favorite? I mean, just scene that scene, scene where they're following they're 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 uh, following the missing can was pretty exciting. And also, it's like nice as a viewer because you actually understand what the fuck is going on with the can for the first time yeah. in this series or in this yeah. uh, season. You're like, oh, yeah. I get it now. Yeah, it definitely was like it was interesting to see them piece together something that we as the viewer have already known what was going on but also seeing like in particular how the how the like and like that's the crime is pulled off the level of complexity that they treat this with in the wire is like so beyond any other cop show or Mm -hmm. like even prestige tv usually you get like hints and and sort of uh you know like inferences and assumptions about like what the actual plan is or it's just like you know like super simplistic child level um and this one like they're showing you the nuts and bolts of how they're actually pulling off this thing and uh it's you know it's while while maintaining kind of interesting drama i was just like i mean i was like again i I haven't watched the previous episodes in a long time i just kind of came in i just parachuted into season two episode seven Uh, and i just amazed by the amount of characters they're able to hold together in a single episode without feeling you know that you're getting short changed on any of them right um 
you know, that you're like, I, you know, at the end they drop in McNulty and, you know, he's got like some moment. I have no idea what the fuck's going on with this Elena woman or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's like how many how many speaking parts are there in this episode? It's like it's like it's 40? insane. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Keeping them all together is like is 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 difficult. And it's I think particularly bold to realize that that there is only one McNulty scene and he is literally like billed as the lead of the show yeah you know and then finally at the end he he only serves to be kind of compared to daniels who has that conversation they're like mcnulty has ruined his relationship uh like uh irreparably because of his commitment to not just being a police guy but also to being kind of like a philandering piece of shit who drinks (laughs) too much to being an irish scoundrel and um, an irish rogue Yes. And, uh, and uh, Daniels is kind of like realizing, um, that he's in a similar position, of course, or at least they, they compare them together and go like, oh, he's, he's about to be in the same situation as, as McNulty in that like this, his marriage is going to fall apart because he's so in love with being smarter than criminals. You know, he's so in love <laughs> yeah. with the, this job where you are just trying to outsmart, um, a bad guy a middle that, school dropout usually yeah usually <laughs> exactly <laughs> um yeah and uh yeah i think uh, one last thing um during d's funeral a guy is singing a song on the main tell him what you want oh jesus on the main tell him what you want Jesus on the mainland, tell him what you Incredible. Are. Who is that guy? Like, how is he not I, like a famous and winning billions of dollars? I mean, that his singing voice is amazing. The song is... <laughs> yeah, Jesus oh. is on the mainland, dude. He's, Jesus yeah. on, he's on the, the He's on tell, the horn. <laughs> it's literally a song. Jesus on the phone. What? Tell him what's up. Like, that, <laughs> it is... Uh, it is just one of those songs where you're listening to it and you go like, it's so beautiful, but the, the content of the song is what if Jesus had a phone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, tap, they tap his wire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seriously, they this, would just that tap was, it. You know, there was a, there was a proto God friended me. Yes, and that, exactly. It was this. Yeah, God called me on the phone mm-hmm. and uh, multi listened. <laughs> Hi, this is Jesus. <laughs> Hey, what do you want? Also, <laughs> Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. That means that's a secretary picking up the phone. Hey, Jesus is calling. So in this scenario, <laughs> Jesus makes his own phone calls, but you have a secretary. Anyways, uh, if I had to rate this episode with a letter grade, and I do, because that's the law, I think I would give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode? Oh, tough, tough question, but I'm going to go solid mm. B plus on this one. Okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, that's. I don't have good. to justify Great. it to you. Yeah. No, they, you don't. They could have done a little more to yeah. uh, get it into the plus ninety range. I think it's about an eighty-nine. Yeah, B plus. That B plus. All right. Yeah. Well, it's been a solid B plus episode of The Wire and a solid A plus 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 episode of Pod Yourself, The Wire. <laughs> Nando, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, talking The Wire with us. Thanks for having me. 
What do you? What would you like to plug? I know you have uh, this uh, well, brand new podcast. Brand new podcast. It's not like a chat podcast. It's not like a fun chat. It's like more of one of these like kind of serialized ones. It's called Shoot Ooh. the Messenger. Uh, tells a story of a Israeli company called NSO Group, which makes a bit of spyware called Pegasus, which yes. turns out yes. was on all of the phones of the uh, entourage of one Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah, um, you know, which were they were using to track him and and all of his uh, entourage before before he was off. Um, but also are you telling t- me that the Saudis and the Israeli government were working together? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. no. no. They would never. They would never do that. But yeah, no, it, they hate each other. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's a it's crazy, man. This this fucking Pegasus shit. You know, it's like they can they can get into your phone without you having to click anything. This isn't like some fucking John Podesta dipshit phishing scam. Um, this is this is like nothing. You you can't do anything to stop it, and it 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 targets your phone. Um, they can turn it on. They can listen to through the microphone. They can watch through the camera. They can Whoa. see your keystrokes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they see my peepee. Yeah. <laughs> I do love the idea that there's uh, some Israeli intelligence, uh, you know, like drafted uh, Israeli intelligence people, like 18 year old men and women who have to watch me masturbate. <laughs> uh, they which, just have yeah. like a, they just have like a, a you know an archive of like all the O faces uh, that yeah. they've, ever, they've ever gotten. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that uh, that sounds like a dope ass podcast. Is it, uh, when does it come out? It's already been out, dog. It's uh, four episodes are out. Um, we're doing ten. Um, nice. And it's gonna be it comes out every two weeks, and then the season after um, is about the assassination of the Haitian prime minister Jean Jean which is a fucking wild story. Yeah, that's a uh, crazy ass story. I still don't know fully what happened there, other than. Um, Something to do with drugs? Mm. I don't know, dog. I thought there was drugs. Doesn't matter. Listen to the podcast. Yeah, Shoot listen the to the podcast. To find <laughs> exactly. out. Don't listen to Matt Lee because he don't know. <laughs> uh, Nando, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah. Patreon.com slash Frockcast. The $8 tier gets you a shout out. Vince, we don't have any. Oh, shoot. I had so many nicknames to give. Oh, you just had them ready? No, I don't that's, know. That's cheating. Yeah, no, I don't do that. So, yeah, um, uh, uh, we went through, I guess, all of them so far, which means that uh, uh, anyone who's out there listening, what are you doing? Not not paying $8 to uh, to have your name said on this very here, this here podcast here. This very here podcast, but, buddy. So... Go to patreon.com slash broadcast and not only will will and pay eight dollars, but not only will we say your name, but Vince will give you a, a, a nickname. Vince, give me a nickname. Uh fuckface. Ooh, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> See, you could get something like that if you paid eight dollars. <laughs> Be- Beekman. Beekman, okay. Yeah, I like it. You look like that guy Beekman from Beekman's world. Like, oh, I thought it was because science. I thought it was because I had a big... I thought you were doing a Jew thing. No, I don't know. Maybe that's what they did with Beekman. Everything about I that. don't know. I, I don't know who Beekman is. What's the show? He was like Bill Nye, the science guy. There was like two competing science guys back in the day. You don't remember that? There was uh, there was Bill Nye, the science guy, and then there was Beekman's I remember world. him. I remember a guy named Mr. Wizard. Yeah, no, we didn't have that guy. Who the fuck is that? I, I don't know. He was uh, Mr. Wizard. He was... Uh, 
Yeah. Beekman had like a sidekick who was a guy in a giant rat costume for some reason. What the fuck is this show? I don't know this show. Whoa. Oh, and there's a lady. Wait, no, that's a little girl. Um, okay. <laughs> no, she's an adult. Why is there a rat guy? I don't know. Anyways. So it's like a weirder version of Bill Nye the Science Guy for some reason. Yeah. Creepy science. Um... So yeah, patreon.com slash broadcast. $8 tier gets you a shout out. Sign up immediately and uh, do it today. And of course, if you're like, wait, what do you mean you have no fucking shout outs? I paid $8 or more and didn't get one. Well, email us and let us know if you fell through the cracks. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All righty, Rue, everybody. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Yeah. Hello, Barksdale, my old friend. I heard your nephew D is dead. And now your sister's softly weeping. You blame yourself because you stopped speaking In the prison You let chips fall where they may He left the game But we know D Was silenced While in the library Was Epsteined upon a door Choked to death by a DC hitman He put these hands into his underpants Now Stringer Bell is free from the threat of a weak-ass guy He fucks his wife And that's why D was silent. And Ziggy fucked Prissy Catlow. She is the local stank ass whore. Nikki mocks the way that frogs making. Her can carve our nearby listening. They both Silence Fool said Frank I do not know How to do shit But Steve adore Hear my words That I might need you Take my money And go bribe some dudes Frank is Declining.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.